Here's what's coming up on this week's show. I could not put it down. I read it in six days. It made me want to, to go and race donkeys in Canada, in um, Colorado. Did you say race donkeys? <laughs> <laughs> the beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. And Claire, I'm feeling a bit meh today. Why are you feeling meh? Do you know how sometimes everyone gets this situation, right? And this is perhaps even might be a really good topic for an episode at some point where you get that block in your head you don't feel inspired you can't think of anything to do can't you can't you're trying to get past a certain problem and the harder you look for a solution the further away it gets do you know you get one of the, you get days like that i don't sometimes you just get up out of bed the wrong side and it, yeah that's the end of that day really do you know what i mean absolutely well let's hope you don't get out of bed the wrong side and fall out the window or something in order to get out of bed the wrong side i'd have to climb over my <laughs> wife because she's normally in bed longer than me so <laughs> okay i had one of those days on friday and i just think that they're they're very normal normal feelings and normal days to be had because you have to have those days to really appreciate the good days. So what do you do when you get a day like that, when you get a day where you feel you know, you're just kind of sitting at your desk and you're trying to think of something and you can't find a solution, what what gets you out of that funk? I ru- the f- gets, gets you out of the funk. <laughs> you got to get me out of the funk. Okay. Um, I actually write down a list, so I write a list. <laughs> Gosh, here I go again. I actually, <laughs> I actually write down some points of what I want to achieve in the next few hours. So sometimes I think that these feelings come from there's there's a no light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> because the harder you try, the less productive you are. So I write down uh, five things generally, no more, no more than five things as to what I'd like to achieve for the next few hours. And then I organise in my head a time to stop, which is generally earlier than how I, what time I would normally stop. And then I walk away. Wow, that's a wasn't the answer I was expecting, but a great answer. Wow, look at that. That's a great little tip we've just divulged right there. Or contact John to ask him to bring back a bottle of Carver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't think anymore, John. Bring me some alcohol so I can't think even more. Depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> Depends what the weather's doing. But yeah, I think I do truly think that these feelings do come from that overactive brain, overthinking things, and then you just really have to stop. And drink wine. Every week we speak to an expert to share their advice and guidance with us as to how we can move our businesses forward. So what are we going to be talking about this week, Paul? Oh, well, actually, Claire, we've got something a little bit different today. Oh, have we? The topic is what do business books teach you? We're talking to Adam Daniel, who is a performance and resilience coach. He runs multiple businesses. But what he did last year is he sat down and decided to read a a whole bunch of business and personal development books. Um, By the end of 2020, he had got to 33. And what he did on social media as he started talking about what he did is he captivated the attention of so many people. People were interested to find out more about the books that he read, what he thought about them, how he found uh, the whole process of reading so many books in a year. And he's, uh, you'll like this, Claire. He's a note taker. Oh, yes. He loves writing notes and putting things down and spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he speaks your language. But I thought it'd be an interesting thing to speak about the books that you read, what he thought about them and what he thinks about business books in general. This is the Big Little Business Show. What made you want to take on this challenge in the first place? Oh, brilliant question. No, I don't think I've actually been asked that before. I used to be a very avid reader. When I say used to be, like 
in my teenage years, so a while back now. And I've always enjoyed reading and I've studied a lot over the recent years in various shapes and forms and therefore I, I have always read a lot. However, I guess I've always read what I've had to read, i.e. to get through a course or it's been very specific to what I've wanted to learn. And I wanted to get back into the habit of reading books that I enjoyed reading because I guess maybe over the last 10 years, I haven't necessarily enjoyed reading. I guess I just wanted to I guess, ignite that kind of enjoyment of reading again. Hmm. So um, why do you think uh, reading a business book or maybe a self-development book is so beneficial? So after your experience, what would you say to people? First of all, you have to be very aware of what you want to get from the book. Otherwise, it won't be beneficial. So the first thing is you need to do a little bit of research behind the book and not just because your best mate recommended it or some famous podcaster recommended it or something like that. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the book has to resonate with you initially. And then it's a matter of just going, okay, you know what, what, what am I going to get from this book? And I think from that, you can then read or pick very specific books that will actually allow you to grow and develop as a person. So the key thing to understanding why you read those sorts of books is, is literally why do you want to read that book? What do you want to get from it? What do you feel you need to develop in? I mean, if your your business is, I don't know, let's say for the start of lockdown, you've had to pivot because you've got to set your business online. So maybe reading a book on online marketing is the book you need to read at that moment in time. Therefore, it's going to be a super beneficial book. So I guess that would be my my suggestion to that is to understand why you're reading the book and what you want to get from it will then help you understand what you will get from it. Now, if you read 33 books, Adam, in the space of a year, that's you're talking more than two a month. So that's a lot of information you're absorbing. By the time you got to the end, did you kind of get a little bit overwhelmed with information or did it get a bit diluted after a while? No, I it didn't. It certainly didn't get diluted and I didn't get overwhelmed. In fact, it, it drove me to want to read more because I was getting so much information. And the reason it wasn't becoming diluted was because I became very meticulous on how I made my notes. And I think that for anyone listening, if you are reading a book to allow your business to grow and thrive or for you to become or to develop as a, as a human being in, in some way, shape or form, the way you absorb the information is going to be very, very important. And initially I, I kind of reached out to a few, well, initially I started to read and I was making, and I went to what I've always done, which was just highlighting bits here and corner uh, the corner of the page with no real structure to it. And I very quickly was like, that's really not going to work if, I'm, if I plan to read as every day, basically, because I'm going to get through a lot of books and I'll have no way to reference my information. And, and so the way that I made notes evolved over the whole of 2020. And I then reached out to a few friends of mine who are some of the authors and some of them, some of them read copious amounts of books per year. I mean, way more than 33 and sort of asked them how they made their notes and what I've finished on. And I think it's possibly the finished product for me anyway, is I now, when I, when I take a book on, I understand what I want to get from the book. And therefore I break my outcomes up, if you like, my information up into the relevant number of sections. So it might well be that there's going to be theory, there's going to be some quotes, and there's going to be some more reading to be done. So I actually break down the information into sections. And all my notes are done at the front of the actual book. And then what I do is 
I then put the different bits of information underneath the various headings that I have in there. And that way I can then go to the book and find exactly what I want when I want. And that seems to have worked really, really well. Now, even though um, we can't see each other at the moment, we, we never have video on when we're recording a podcast, but I know, Claire, this is kind of almost, this is pressing a lot of buttons for you too, right? This is gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely love this. So, um, and I actually can't wait now to start my next book to actually put this into practice um, because it's so much information, especially with 33 books. Um, I've always been a little bit nervous about reading books back to back. Um, so, when you're looking for your, your next business book or maybe your first business book, is there anything in particular that you should look out for? Um, you talked about, you know, maybe the highlighting certain parts, but is there the, maybe the way it's written? Would that be something you'd look for? I guess, yes, to an extent. I mean, everyone, I, I imagine most people have a certain style that they're drawn towards in, in the way someone writes a book or delivers a podcast, etc. So, so yes, yeah, so I think that's, that's really important. It's got to be a style that you enjoy. So the style would be important. I think the most important thing, though, is what information do you want to get from it? Was that the kind of criteria you went through then, Adam, when you were choosing the books to read? What I mean, what did you base your decisions on? Did you go for maybe the most popular books or the most best-selling books, or were they books that were personal to you? Really good question. I think initially it was more of frustration. I have a bookcase, and I think I had at the time 10 books on there, maybe more that hadn't been touched and they've been sitting there for when well, some of those books i mean stephen covey's eighth habit has been sitting on my bookshelf potentially for 10 years and it's never been read and i was like i've got all these books and i keep buying books and i keep not reading them therefore i'm going to read the books that i've bought and and before i buy any more books so initially my criteria was read the books on the bookshelf <laughs> yeah start with the ones you've got it, yeah. it wasn't as simple as that yeah uh, and then it turned into, okay, now what books do I read next? So yes. So going back to, I guess, the, the your question more in depth was it would be if there's a particular book that I've enjoyed, the author that, I, that wrote it, who were they inspired by? What books did they read? Do they recommend any books within that book? I'll also, I also will reach out to people that I respect in whichever field I want to read on and ask them for their recommendations. And I have picked a few recommendations up from various podcasts. I think the best recommendation I picked up from a podcast was listening to Eddie Jones, who is the England rugby coach. And they were asking about his work ethic because he has a notorious work ethic. And he said that he read a book called Deep Work. And so that went straight on my list. I didn't even need to, to Google it. I, that went on my list. Because if Eddie Jones mentions it, then it's got to be good. Well, actually, I'll tell you what we should do. We should actually ask what books you read, really, shouldn't we? Uh, before we go into the into depth and find out what you thought and what you learned from them and what ones you... I mean, we'll put a full list on our page on the website that links to this episode. But uh, just roughly go go through some of the, the, the key books that you read out of the 33 that um, stuck out for you. Key books. Okay, so I've just pulled the list up in front of me. So just forgive me whilst I kind of scroll through it. Sure. Uh, okay, so some of the key books and key books being some of the ones I got the most information from and also some of the books I just really, really enjoyed. So one of the books, one of the first books I read last year, it was a Christmas present, mm. was Robert Iger, Ride of a Lifetime. That was the first book I read in 2020. If you don't know who Robert Iger is, he's the CEO of Disney. I think he may have stepped down last year. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on that. And that was just a fantastic book. 
that was that was brilliant from a business perspective. If you want to learn how to run one of the biggest organizations in the world, read that book. Mm. So Robert Iger, Ride of a Lifetime, Clive Woodward, How to Win. Obviously, he took England rugby to the 2003 World Cup. I'm fascinated by him. So that was a brilliant book. If you're into leadership, two books that jump out, both by David Marquette, is Turn the Ship Around and Leadership is Language. I was very fortunate to hear him speak live twice in once in 2017 or 2018, I think it was. He was a captain of a nuclear submarine in the American Navy and pretty much single-handedly changed the leadership model in the US Navy. So both those were well worth a read in terms of business and leadership. Were there any bestsellers, any really big books, like your, your standard ones that every business owner has got on their bookshelf at some point? Mm, one or two, I, to be honest. So when I did my... And I, this is this is not necessarily my my thought process, but it's an, it's a phrase that sticks in my mind. When I did my MBA, one of the, my uh, college friends on the course, one of their papers, they quoted a book called "Good to Great." The the tutor called it an, an airport book, and that sort of term resonates with me and sticks in my head now. So, forgive me for calling it some of these airport or airport books. Ultimately, that means a book that kind of looks quite sexy, looks interesting. It has no real academic or scientific substance to it, if you like. That's what we sort of mean, or they mean by an airport book. So there's a few of those in there that would be a bestseller and a bit of an airport book. However, they're also fantastic. One of those is probably Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think that's become a bestseller. He's sold over a million copies of that, I believe, is what I've read. Apart from that, none of them really are bestsellers or I doubt you'd really see them on the shelves if you're WH Smith when, when we're next out in there. That's quite an interesting list though, isn't it, Claire? It's really diverse. I've been making notes. <laughs> Actually, you know, another, another popular one there, sorry to interrupt, is probably Why We Sleep by Matt Walker. That's become quite a popular Ooh. spoken about book in, in the last six months or so. See, it's interesting to not just go for the bestsellers. I think, you know, maybe we might be inclined to automatically gravitate towards the bestsellers, but actually it takes takes it back to uh, understanding what it is you want to gain from reading that book, as opposed to maybe automatically just going to one of the bestsellers because they all bring something different. Totally. I think the, the thing is with the bestseller, don't get me wrong, there'll be some amazing stuff out there, information out there. And it doesn't, it's not that I, I don't read a bestseller. It's just that because of the way I choose my book, I don't generally get pointed in, in that direction. The one thing, and this is, this is going to might, might sound a bit odd. So pre 2020, I let's let's just say pre lockdown, I would occasionally go into a bookshop. However, the one thing I've wanted to do the whole of lockdown is go into a bookshop because <laughs> you can't, and I can't, and also because obviously before lockdown, I'd only just started my reading habit, and so. For me, the one thing that I want to do is to go into a bookshop and just spend hours in there just looking at different books and getting some inspiration, some ideas of what to read and creating my reading list, etc. And that's something, it's probably the only thing I've, in lockdown that I've not excuse me, not been able to do that I would really, really want to do. I find that's part of the experience. I don't know about you, Adam, but walking into a bookshop and you're looking at a certain section and browsing through the books and, you know, the atmosphere in the bookshop, the smell, love the smell of a bookshop. Um, and even if you come out with nothing, you come out with it, you, uh, 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 almost a wish list, don't you? Exactly that. Is, is it For me, I think that the idea of going to a bookshop now is about inspiration as opposed to not just about buying a book it's about the inspiration you get in there so are there any books that 
you've read before so as part of this challenge were there any books that you revisited um do you think maybe that might not be such a bad idea for other people to revisit books that they've read to take something different from the book i think you should read as reread the really important books without a doubt 100 percent. and yes there were so there were let me just scroll through this there's probably three or four that i reread and the one that jumps to mind oh, there's two actually here we go so this is a business book is the e-myth revisited oh i've got that one that's a good book i read that potentially seven eight years ago maybe maybe longer and that was brilliant again and i took different things from that so I'd highly recommend that anyone in a small business the e-myth revisited is is well worth a read and i'm sure when you read it, you'll identify with what's going on within the book. I know I certainly did. The other book that I reread, that was, again, it was it was almost like reading a different book when I reread it, was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle or Toll. Mm. The first time I read that, I wasn't really in the, the right mind space to, to embrace it, to understand what he was talking about. However, now, when I read it at the back end of 2020, it just made so much sense. Uh, not all of it, most of it did. And it really resonated with me. And I really enjoyed it. And I think that's a book that I will probably read once a year because I will pick up something different from it each year. And the other book I reread was The Power of Less by Leo Babuta. I think that's pronounced. And again, that's that's a bit more of a business slash self-development book. And it's very useful. It's a little bit dated now. Some of the ideas weren't as novel as they were in, uh, originally. However, there was still some really good bits from it now we have this thing on the show which we've now started calling big little business show bingo whenever we have guests on uh, and we've had 30 plus different guests from different uh, specialities different countries even and there's commonality between a lot of the things that they've said almost like uh, almost like a blueprint in order to be a great small businessman now uh, did you notice any commonality within the books you read you thought oh i've seen that i've heard that i read that idea somewhere before or i read that, that idea in that book oh without a doubt and the the most common thread that i saw and it's is it's, it's I guess it's not odd. It's obvious. It's, it's great that you've mentioned that. I would say, Paul, is because I think probably halfway through 2020, I was like, there is a, and I actually said, I remember, remember sort of picturing in my head there was a common theme running through these leadership books. I do, I do really enjoy leadership books. It's probably my, probably my favourite book to go to is a leadership style book, but a personal story one though, not a from a Harvard Business Review, this is how you lead a business, more of a going to a Robert Iger or a Clive Woodward. And the underlying theme through all the leadership books was very simple. It's if you run a business, the reason your business will succeed, or if you have a, if, you, if you're coaching a sports team or whatever it might be, if you are a leader of any description, whether it's through a business, whether you're, you've got teams around you, you've got to have an amazing team around you. You've got to trust your team and you've got to believe in your team and your people all these amazing leaders out there is that they, they have, they're very humble, that they have an amazing ability to inspire those around them, not through your typical dictatorship style of leadership, more through the inspirational leadership because of, you know what, let's do this together. We are a team. We are a unit. We are as one. And that was, that had to be for me, the underlying theme through those leadership books was very simple as yet is ultimately you will not be successful. Your business will not be successful unless you believe in your people. 
Yeah, we had an episode all about that, Adam, uh, with a lady called Marianne Page who had written three books and she used to work for McDonald's and she was talking about recruitment and how important it is to recruit people not necessarily with the right skills for the job but with the right, with the right values for the business. You can always train someone, but if they don't sing the same hymn sheet as you, then you know, you're never going to get a good marriage. So that's yeah, exactly. We've kind of we've had that one pick up before, haven't we, Claire? Mm. I mean, Clive Wood was famous for saying, you know what, I just want the best players on the pitch and then we'll make it work. And that's there's no difference to working in a business. You want the best people in your business and then figure out how you get the best out of them. A lot of people do say that there's a lot of uh, commonality between running a business and running a sports team as well. I've heard that many times before. And that's, again, a lot of the books I read are kind of that crossover from the world of sport and how you can lead, uh, learn from leadership in sport and, and take that into business. And that's also where I'm taking my sort of my business at the moment as well is that my experience in the world of sport and, and how can you maximize that in, in the business world in the corporate world. And there's so many crossovers without a doubt. What about yourself in terms of uh, skills that maybe you've picked up from reading these books? Are there any particular skills that you've picked up that you're going to be maybe implementing moving forward? Any skills that I've picked up? Yes, most definitely. I think two things that I've done in 2020. The first one is now, where that I've met, where I've made these amazingly comprehensive notes, and I've also, and, and Claire, I think you'll appreciate this from what Paul Paul said at the start, is I've then also created a spreadsheet, so I can go to my spreadsheet. Oh yes, <laughs> spreadsheet. It's like, it's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're talking her language big time now, Adam. I think you two are going to get married. So <laughs> what I did at the start, so what I say, um, going back to the question, so. I've, I have that spreadsheet. Now, what I can do moving forward, and this is the way I've, I've been using them. So, for example, this workshop I delivered last week was all around habit forming, the, the neuroscience behind habits, how to create a habit, and, and how to then apply that and how to actually create your own habits. And therefore, I went to my spreadsheet and there was four books that I could then take off the bookshelf and reference and get ideas and inspiration from. For me now, I have, like I say, I have 33 reference books I can call upon at any time to use when I'm writing workshops, delivering education, coming on podcasts, whatever it might be. In terms of actually, have I taken any information and changed or developed in myself, then most definitely. I think there was a couple of books, and because I do do a lot of coaching now, one of the books that really resonated with me and has really influenced the way that I coach was by a woman called Nancy Klein, and her book was called Time to Think. So if you at any point, if any of the, the listeners if you are involved in coaching in any way, shape and form uh, or working with teams where you are, you have to coach at times, then I would certainly recommend Nancy Klein Time to Think. Very, very good book. And that's influenced the way I coach people now. If you are in the business environment, you have your own business. I think where I have multiple businesses that I, I sort of look after and, and own, I think the book that influenced my business mindset and it's actually my book of 2020 was Ben Ryan and Seven's Heaven. And it just really helped me understand how to build teams in different environments and how to engage with people who have a completely different philosophy, mindset, approach to things with you and, and the language and how you do that. So, so yeah, I think those, those are the books that sort of really helped me and, and how books have helped me do my day-to-day -day job. Brilliant. Now, it's, it was a big task 
<clears throat> reading all those books in uh, a whole year. And obviously, we appreciate 2020 was a very different year for a lot of people. Uh, so reading that amount of stuff and taking, it, taking in that large amount of information over a 12-month period, A, is it something you'd do again? And B, is it something you'd recommend? Or do you think it might have been a bit too much? Or if you revisit it, re revisited the project, would you have read less and maybe absorbed them more? What would you have done differently? Well, to answer the first question, would I do it again? I'm already on my fourth book of 2021. Wow, four. Oh my goodness. It's not even the end of January yet. I know. Well, one of those books did straddle the end of 2020 and the start of 2021. So I just literally finished my third book this morning. And so I've chosen which my fourth book is going to be next. So I'm about to, I'll probably start that tonight or tomorrow. And yes, 2020 was a very different year. However, even saying that, I mean, it wasn't until really April when everything, we, we sort of got locked down end of March, beginning of April. And so just looking at my, my sheet here, the, up to the 23rd of March, I read eight books. So just because I wasn't traveling as much with work in lockdown, I still actually read just as much when I was working in inverted commas normally at the start of the year. I know from the few posts that I've done on social media around this, it has inspired other people to sort of get back into reading. And again, obviously, it all depends on what your day-to-day -day routine and life is like as well. I mean, yes, I mean, 33 books, people go, wow, that's a lot. And this is just the way I look at things. I don't see it as, as a lot of books. I didn't set out to read 33 books. I didn't set out to read 20 books. All I set out to do was read every day for at least half an hour. I generally get up at six o'clock every day, even in lockdown, I, I'm still up at six. I have my routine and that, that also gives me the space to read as well in, in peace and quiet, which I love. However, if I had to, so the start of last year, 2020, if I happen to have to be on an earlier train or, or whatever it might be traveling because of work, I would get up a little bit earlier to make sure I still got my reading in. Not, not silly. I wouldn't be getting up at 4.30 or anything like that to get my reading in. Yet I might get up at 5.30 to make sure I get my half an hour's reading in before I leave for work. Brilliant. I, I mean, I love the mornings. First thing in the morning is great. It's so peaceful. <laughs> so, so I think I might actually start reading first thing in the morning as well. Um, top three books for 2020. I know you've shared uh, quite a few of the books that you've already read, but what would be your top three so my top three books that I chose for 2020 were... Oh, I almost feel like we need a drum roll there. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to put that in. I love one in post-production, Adam. So pretend there's a drum roll. Like anticipation. So my top three books were Nancy Klein, Time to Think. That's because it, it helped me evolve as a coach. And it's been really powerful in in the way that I've coached, but also the outcomes it's, it's allowed me to have with clients, which is brilliant. The second book, and this was a bit of an unusual book. So there was probably three or four books that I kept on putting off and putting off and putting off because I didn't think that'd be very good. And my second favorite book of the year was one of those books. It was the book that I put off and put off for so long. And that was, uh, my mind's gone blank, Chris McDougall and from the name of the book. Now, Running with Sherman. All I had was Sherman in my head. Running with Sherman, Chris McDougall. Oh, do you know what, Adam? That's been a book that's been on my shelf for ages and I haven't read it. So I'm, now I'm going to read it. If you're reading it, it's worth, worth a read. I'm definitely going to do that. I, I was very lucky. I was invited to the launch of this book with Chris McDougall. So my, my copy is even a signed copy by him. It's a first edition signed copy by Chris McDougall. I finished reading that on Christmas Eve. I went to the launch of that. It was November. 2019 so that sat on my shelf for over a year 
with me putting it off. And it was my second best book of 2020. It was brilliant. I could not put it down. I think I read it in, I read it in six days. It made me want to, to go and race donkeys in Canada, in um, Colorado. Did you say race donkeys? <laughs> that's, that's what the book's about. It's called, it's about Buros racing, which is a, a very old tradition in primarily around kind of North America in, into sort of Colorado area where ultimately miners used to race their donkeys. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to check that that was what you said there. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just a, a, a bizarre sort of left field reaction to reading a book. <laughs> it's ultimately a book about racing or running with donkeys. My top book for 2020, and I've mentioned it already, was Ben Ryan and Seven's Heaven. For those of you who are out who are out there, maybe not into rugby, or even if you are, Ben Ben Ryan isn't necessarily a household name. For me, he's one of the most underappreciated coaches, full stop, out there. He he was he kind of made his name when he took England Sevens, rugby sevens, from kind of so-so team to world champions and and one of the top sevens teams in the world he then left england sevens and he went and took over fiji sevens who again for those who aren't into their rugby fiji were renowned for having these amazingly talented players yet they were unfit they were they were just ramshackle they didn't have any structure they had no money and yet they would turn up to these amazing to the world tour tournaments and beat new zealand's and england's however they turn up the following week and get beaten by kenya so there was no consistency and he turned up in Fiji and he didn't get paid for like the first year. I don't think he got paid and he's living in Fiji and he took them from these kind of one hit ones, as it were, to Olympic champions. When the sevens, team, sevens became an Olympic event in 2016 in Rio, Fiji won their first ever Olympic gold. And it's ultimately his story of, of how he did that. And it's just fascinating. Again, it just it's just amazing leadership and how he managed to do that with having to battle the, the political landscape in, in Fiji, having no money, having all these players are coming from villages where they'd have to travel for hours to get to training. And if they got injured, they wouldn't go to the hospital. They'd go and see the witch doctor. <laughs> and actually, unfortunately, one of the players broke his leg and died because they wouldn't go to hospital. And the witch doctor was doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And he had to deal with all this. And... It's amazing to see how he managed his players and every player was treated very differently. And it's one of the best examples I've read or seen of, of man management to get the best out of your team in any environment. And there's so many leadership lessons in there. It was just a fascinating story. It had me in tears a couple of times. It's a very emotional story. And it's just someone like, from a distance I've always admired. And he's just very well written as well. Well, what a fascinating lesson, Adam. And what I loved about uh, this whole thing, and you talking about it now, is you didn't pick the obvious books. You didn't pick the bestsellers. You didn't pick the business books that everyone's got on their shelves. Yeah, I love that. And I know for a fact, I'd be amazed if anyone listening to this right now hadn't written one of those books down and will be picking it up or going and getting a copy uh, after listening to this podcast. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, that was a re really inspiring inspirational listen wasn't it Claire absolutely I've taken an A4 page of notes <laughs> She's, so when we finish yeah. Claire's going to put together a spreadsheet so I'll get her to send it to you <laughs> my pleasure oh I love a spreadsheet <laughs> right so we always finish off with the same set of questions which were inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actors Studio we've been doing them since day one we're always amazed by some of the answers we get uh, but every guest we have on the show answers the same questions oh, in fact we've tweaked it around a little bit for 2021 there are a couple of new questions in this year so Claire do you want to start with question number one? Sure. Okay, so Adam, what is your favourite smell? 
I guess there's the best smell in the world and my favorite smell. The best smell is coffee, which is obviously very boring, yet it's just the most amazing smell. My favorite smell, though, is horse poop. Wasn't expecting that. You need to explain. Wow. So whenever I'm out on my bike cycling at the weekends, one of the, the, the smells that just puts a smile on my face every time is when I'm riding through, I'm very lucky I live in the countryside and I'm always out in the country lanes on my bike. And it's just when I drive, I ride through the middle of a farm, as it were, a country lane through the fields, and it's just that smell of cow poo, horse poo, manure. And it just reminds me of my childhood and my my dad's side of the family had farms in Wales and we'd spend just the summer holidays on the farms in Wales and it just reminds me of that and it just puts everyone I'm riding with my team and they always be like oh and I, it just puts a smile on my face every time I smell it and it just reminds me as well of the luxury the, the privilege I have to have that freedom to be able to ride through the countryside at my own time when I want to and just take everything in yeah yeah a bizarre smell but a great reason to like it I get that actually I do, I get that, because it is a bizarre smell. And I must admit, I was laughing a little bit at the beginning. But actually, when it takes you back to something of, a pre, well, a place of appreciation and gratitude, then, yeah, I get that. Exactly that. OK, second question. What's your favourite biscuit? And you can't say, I don't really eat biscuits. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not allowed. Well, if you were to come around to my house, you'd see that I have no biscuits in my cupboards whatsoever. And it has been a long time since I've I've had biscuits in this house. However, my favourite biscuit, if I were to go into a supermarket and buy a packet of biscuits, would be quite possibly Gary Baldy. Didn't we not have that last week, Claire? The dead fly biscuits, biscuits. yeah. Yeah. What, sorry? (laughs) That's what my mum used to call them. I've never heard them called that. Okay, so if you could uh, go out on a dinner date with anybody at all, whether they be dead or alive, but obviously they're You'd want them to maybe be alive whilst you were having dinner. Uh, who, who would it be? I said that completely wrong, that question. <laughs> Should I start yeah, again? again, but that was great. That was a great little ad lib. I love that. Okay, so dead or alive, who would be your ideal dinner date? I, I have a bit of a bromance for The Rock. I'd love to go out for dinner and beers with The Rock. It'd be amazing. <gasps> yes, me too. <laughs> so does Claire. It's not a bromance there. Because that would just be the one big party, drinking tequila, uh, having epic training sessions and, and all sorts would be it would be pretty cool, and hopefully get some good stash of, out at the end of it. However, with my my sensible hat on and and kind of getting something a bit more productive out of dinner, I think it would be Clive Woodward because for me he he changed the way coaches were perceived and how they worked when he won the World Cup with England in two thousand and three. He brought in a peripheral vision coach called Carol Calder, I think it was. I think it's Carol Calder, and so they could work on being able to see better, basically. And he brought all these very much, I guess, visionary ways of coaching. He looked at at the sport and said, okay, we don't just make them better rugby players. We need to help them become better athletes. And he just sat there and brought these most amazing coaches in and then put them to work. And then he just brought it all together. And he was also a very successful businessman. He then moved into the Olympics. So his, his coaching skills have just gone across so many different, I mean, I think he went to Southampton Football Club, then he went to the Olympics. He's just, an, uh, I think, an amazingly clever guy. I love listening to him talk on when he's a pundit on, on the rugby. And I would just learn a huge amount from him. And I think he certainly transformed the way 
coaches worked when he won the 2003 World Cup. Well, what an amazing conversation that was, Adam. Thank you very much for spending time with us. And Brilliant. Thank you for sharing with us what you did over 2020 and how you put your time to good use. And uh, we love the fact that you've given us some great suggestions for further reading too. I know you're going to share with us the entire list, which we'll put on our website if you want to go and find out uh, exactly what books Adam read over 2020 and which ones uh, you should pick up and take a look at. Um, before you go, let's um, let's find out how people can get in touch with you if they want to connect with you or uh, maybe want to learn a little bit about more, uh, learn a little bit, bit more about what you do. Sure. I think the two main ways to get in touch with me are either via Instagram, which is Adam Daniel MBA, or via LinkedIn, which is exactly the same. It's Adam Daniel MBA on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, if you have any questions about what I have just chatted about, you want to discuss any books further or some other inspiration on books, then please feel free to either drop me a message on Instagram or LinkedIn. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. I would have thought, actually, when you're looking for a business book to automatically go with the best sellers, but... It just goes to show, you know, what I took from that is it's not necessarily the case. It's about what you're looking to achieve from the book that's important. I love that he picked books that weren't completely obvious. And I have to be honest, when I saw his initial post on Facebook, I think it was, I didn't pay massive attention to the books that he'd read because I thought this would be a great subject. Let's get him on. And I thought, well, perhaps I'll wait and see what he says when we uh, speak to him and find out what books that he what books he chose. And it was a real surprise to see that he chose books that weren't on the bestseller list. Yeah, and also what he did with that information, because, I mean, I, I thought 33 books is a lot of information, is a huge amount in that space of time. So how did he actually capture that information and record it and of course yeah. it was a spreadsheet of lists because yeah. they are really useful <laughs> I knew that would press your buttons Claire it certainly did I was like of course but I've never actually done that um, I've never done that so shock horror I know but um, I feel genuinely inspired to pick up a book I'm actually looking I'm actually finding myself turning around and looking at the books um, to start again so yeah he's really really inspired me that's good and we hope he's inspired you and made you think about picking up a business book whatever a book it might be but if you want to check out the full list of the 33 books that Adam read it's on our website go to biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk follow the links from the homepage and you can get a list of all the books that Adam checked out and recommended as part of the show really interesting stuff and we even had a little bit of a chat afterwards about the idea of doing a book club but you know watch this space we might that might happen in the future who knows I love the way that things naturally come about in conversation and sometimes they're the best ideas goes back to what we were saying at the beginning about not being inspired and not finding inspiration sometimes the inspiration comes when you least expect it so every week we like to finish off the show by giving a little bit of attention and a bit of a shout out to a business owner uh, or an entrepreneur who listens to our show follows us on social media and just deserves a little bit of a push so who are we talking about this week I would like to talk about Jack Perfect Brown. No, you're joking. That's a real name. That's up there with Sandra Francisco, isn't it? Absolutely. Where can we find Jack Perfect Brown? So Jack Perfect Brown is the owner of JPB Landscapes. So you can find him uh, through his website, which is uh, jpblandscapes.co.uk. He's also on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So uh, what they do is they're, they're established in 2011, 
uh, by Jack, who's a professional horticulturalist. Yes, I said it. I've been worried about saying that word. <laughs> oh, well done. He's a professional what, Claire? What, 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 is he, what is he again? No, no, it's done. <laughs> He's a professional what? I didn't quite catch that. I think you broke up a little bit. <laughs> Don't spoil my moment. I've been practising that. <laughs> Um, which is a company based near Colchester in uh, North North Essex. So, providing grounds maintenance, fencing and landscaping services and garden design. And actually, um, he does live up to his name, so I'm looking at some of the pictures of, uh, uh, of some of the gardens that he's done, and they are perfect. I was going to say they're brown. That would have been really funny, wouldn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There's something in the air. Um, yeah, I just... I, get, I, I think we've touched on it before, but... Spring is coming, you know, spring is round the corner and I think it's important that we move forward and we look forward to what's going to be happening for the rest of the year. So therefore, looking at our gardens and thinking about maybe how we're going to create that fantastic space in the summer is going to be something for us all to look forward to. And of course, as we're all spending more time at home now, nobody's been on holiday. I mean, hopefully we might get a summer holiday this year. Who knows? But if we're not, then, you know, spend some time on your garden, make that look great and sunbathe there. Absolutely. I mean, I design mine around, around where I'm putting the hot tub. I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, your garden is designed around the drinking spaces, isn't it? Absolutely. I start, <laughs> I start there first and then add a dash of colour. Okay, so uh, remind us of where we can find out about Jack. His website is jpblandscapes.co.uk, but he can also be found on LinkedIn and Facebook. Brilliant. That kind of wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much to our guest, Adam, for some inspiring reading. And as I said earlier on, you can go and find the full list of Adam's recommended books on our website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you get future episodes directly into your phone device. And make sure you leave us a review, please, as well, because that helps the biggest up in podcast land. You can pick us up on Instagram. You can pick us up on LinkedIn. You can pick us up on Facebook. I think I've pretty much covered them all. And that's me done. What book are you off to read now, Claire? I don't know. It's a choice of a couple. But I think it's going to be The Profit Secret. Ooh, who's that by? Nick Bulldog and Bob Hayward. There we are. That's so many books, so little time. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel Networking production.